We know that we're stronger when everyone participates. I think too often people think it's me or them. When people are involved in their communities, a lot of good can come from it. But sometimes there are barriers to civic engagement. I'm George Bodarki, and this is Community Dialogues, a program for frank discussions about race, racism, and racial justice. The organization Women Creating Change is launching a new initiative to increase civic engagement in underserved communities across New York City. With me now to talk more about that effort and WCC's other priorities aimed at bringing about positive change is the nonprofit's president and CEO, Carol Wacy. Carol, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me. Happy to be here, and thanks for having me. So here we are in the midst of Women's History Month. Talk to us about the history of your organization, Women Creating Change. Yeah, and it is quite a month. It's so funny because here we are, we're half the population, and here we set aside a month. It's like every month that we celebrate. It could be Black History Month, any of them. I guess it's good. It's good to shine a spotlight. Hopefully we can celebrate everybody in all of their glory throughout the year, which we try to do and shows like yours certainly try to do. So thanks for having us on, George. As I think about the organization, I've been with the organization just over three years, but the organization uh, Women Creating Change now, it used to be the Women's City Club of New York, uh, founded in 1915, um, has been around, of course, over 100 years, doing amazing work, um, really started off by the suffragettes um, really founding the organization, people like amazing leaders like Frances Perkins, um, Ida Tarbell, and many others. Um, and then we had some very prominent members, which included, you know, Eleanor Roosevelt. Um, so some great women leaders then and now. Um, and we've been very fortunate to attract so many amazing people. If you go back to our early history, I said we were fighting for the right to vote for women. You know, we founded, we were involved in founding the first maternity center here in New York City. Um, maternity health still continues to be a big issue, especially for women of color. Over the years, we worked on issues related to homelessness in women. More recently, things like HIV AIDS education in schools. So big policy issues, which back in the 80s was a big deal to get, can you imagine getting um, curriculum and video content into New York City public schools in the 80s, but, but the Women's City Club was instrumental in doing that. And over the years also really worked on important policy issues, everything from promoting sex ed in schools, which we think is really important, um, to physical education schools, also important. So really always trying to find areas where, you know, there wasn't a voice where an organization like the Women's City Club then um, could really provide that voice. and you know, really trying to fill a niche for the city and had really developed quite a reputation. Uh, we can talk a little bit about, you know, so where we had to go. What are your sights set on right now at this moment in time? Yeah, so what happened when I came on, I came on, you know, I was in public television um, at the time in the education space. And um, I started having conversations with this organization about sort of just really trying to help them. They'd just been given a large bequest. They were really trying to think about where they went as an organization. And I was open to the conversation of helping them think through that. And I said, but we really have to make some big changes. Um, we really need to think about the board, the staff, how things were run. It was very membership driven, very board driven. And we really wanted to move away from that to think about like, again, really continue to evolve, to pivot, to really think about what was needed at the city, in the city at that point in time. I came out late in 2017. So we ran through a, a pretty intensive 
strategic planning process, trying to understand what was happening in the city, what, where were there some needs, what were other organizations doing, how do we not reinvent the wheel, how do we really help to build and develop capacity with other organizations, and where we landed after going through this really 18 month long process was, you know, civic engagement continued to be a priority for uh, for the organization. And so where we landed was we would work on civic engagement, but we would do it differently. We would do what a lot of great organizations across the city are doing, which is make sure that those people that we, the people that really need the services, the support, the tools, were very instrumental in crafting them and identifying what the needs are. So we really started, we did it, what we call a developmental evaluation, also doing participatory action research where the participants of the program were really defining what was needed. We surveyed other um, nonprofits sort of in our space or in related spaces. And we, you know, sort of landed on that we were gonna create programs and policy work around civic engagement, making sure all women would be involved in civic processes. Who do you find right now is least likely to be civically engaged and how are you working to turn that around? Yeah, it's a great question. You know, the interesting thing, I think one of our real, you know, just reminders is women are civically engaged in a number of ways. They might be involved in their children's school. They might be involved in their church or synagogue. Um, they might be involved in their, you know, housing, um, whatever that might look like, you know, women tend to really care and be committed to making their community better for themselves, for their children. The challenges have been, you know, it's all the obvious things. Um, you know, it's certainly here in New York, and we've certainly seen it through the pandemic, too. It's gotten heightened. You know, there's so many things on women's plate. Too often, they're head of household. Too often, they have children that they're raising on their own. Um, they have multiple jobs in New York City. Of course, many are immigrants. They might be, English may not be their first language. Um, they may not have a lot of education or might need more education. They may not know how to access services to support their needs. So, you know, things like childcare become a, a huge barrier. Time, as is very apparent, becomes a huge barrier. Resources, knowledge, education, all of those things become big barriers. So what we're trying to do is figure out how do we as an organization bring together resources to really support and enable women in ways that, that they need to be supported. Uh, it could be in their language. So think about you know multiple languages, think about daycare for events. You know, the technology side of things cuts both ways. In some ways, it makes things easier because there, there can be sort of anytime, anywhere access and you can hop on, but that also presumes people have technology and know how to use it. So there's a lot of different ways we really need to approach it to make sure everyone has similar access. Talk to me about the importance of making sure women of color in particular have opportunities to be civically engaged in the city. Yeah, I think what we've seen, and there's been so much data that has been highlighted about women of color, what our philosophy is at WCC, and it's come through all the process of having all these women participate, is we know that we're stronger when everyone participates. I think too often people think it's me or them, you know, it's us or them. It's, you know, it's set up as this false narrative um, where, you know, the philosophy really should be if everyone participates, we make um, our city, our community, the country better. 
And I happen to live in Queens, one of the most diverse places on earth. I'm very honored to live here. I love it. I love when I get on the subway, like no two people look alike. I think it's what makes this place such a unique and special place to live. What we need to do is make sure that every one of these spaces has an opportunity to be heard. Everybody who lives here is a resident here, right? And, you know, um, should be able to participate fully. And I think, unfortunately, our systems, which historically have been headed up by white people, certainly, often white male people, certainly, no disrespect, but that's just sort of how society has evolved. We need to change that narrative. Everybody should have the same opportunities uh, to get to leadership levels, whether it's in the private sector, in government, you know, wherever they choose to be, there should be the same opportunities. We know that certain people's voices aren't being heard in the same way. And we want to sort of create pathways to ensure that more people's voices are heard at every level in any way that they want to be heard and every step of the way. And we know, we know, we absolutely know that that will have better outcomes for our communities. What are the components of your effort to see this change through to get people more civically involved? Yeah, so one nice outcome of the work that we've done is we developed um, you know, a programmatic approach to our work, which is complemented by a policy approach. So on the program side, and our thinking behind this was, you can't just do programs. What that often presumes is, okay, if we, if we give all these resources and all this education to the people we're trying to serve, you know, they'll have everything they need to really access everything and everything's gonna change. And we know that that's not the case. We also have to work on the policy side because there are real systemic issues that are in play. Um, you know, and what's been great, and we, we can celebrate today that there was just some national legislation, our big stimulus package was signed, and that's gonna bring resources into the communities to give all people more access. We know it's gonna be transformative in education, there's resources that are coming out to families all across the country. So what we laid out on the program side is a program called Civic Matters. This was done in partnership with our community partners. It's a four-part strategy. The first part, we're calling it our community-based workshops. How do we give education tools and resources to women? And we'll do it in real time, but it will be available online. And the great thing about it is part education, part networking with the people who are leading these workshops, and partly about giving them really action-based tools to take action. You know, we want these tools not to be sort of theoretical education and information, but things that they can really put into play. We're complementing that with something we're called the Civic Hub, which is an online tool. Again, it's sort of anytime, anywhere. Resources, information, it will house all the content that we're developing. It will also give women, and anybody who wants to come there, quite frankly, tools and resources to take action in their communities. So whether it's about voting and you need to know where to go and how to go and who's, who's out there to you know getting involved in your local community board or your local um, uh, community education council or there's so many different ways to get involved and really breaking that down for people. And then the third and fourth pieces are for people who wanna go deeper. We're gonna have a nine month fellowship program. We're in conversations with Coro to really develop that. They've been a great leader um, in terms of developing leadership programs. And we're gonna, they've done one with the New York Immigration Coalition around immigration. We're gonna use that experience and hopefully build out one around civic engagement for women. And then the final piece that we're in conversations with CUNY, a great other institution in our city. 
to develop a leadership institute for, for women who really want to make this their life's work and um, contribute in significant ways to the city. So we're really excited about all those programmatic elements. And as I said, we're complementing it with policy work. Because, you know, recently we've been involved, of course, deeply with the census, which in some ways people are like, oh, we're done with that. We're so not done because now we're talking about redistricting, um, which becomes a really important implementation side of the census. We're going to we're also working. We've been working heavily on voting and it's everything from, you know, there's different times when people can vote across the state and in the city and, you know, with early voting, which was amazing especially during covid it was also complicated because in some cases too many people were put to one location so they had huge lines and other places didn't have lines and everything was deliberate i think it was just wasn't probably well as well thought through as it needed to be and it's understandable to some degree it was the first time so we really see there's so much opportunity to continue to improve and expand and certainly in new york we've really come a long way but we still have a long way to go um, to make voting as easy as possible. Everyone should be able to vote in, and really understand what's happening, be able to get to the polls. Ideally, people would get time off from work and you know, we're working on that side of things as well. And one of the things we're really deeply involved in right now is something called Our City, Our Vote, which is giving um, non-citizens, but green card holders, um, the right to vote in municipal elections in the city and council member Rodriguez and the New York Immigration Coalition and United Neighborhood Houses, among others, are really helping to lead the way. And we're really proud to be working on that project with them as well. I understand that you're preparing to release a white paper about civic engagement. Yeah, but this was one of our, our big thoughts as we sort of decided where we landed. Um, and part of the reason we landed on civic engagement for women, and in particular women who have been systemically left out of civic processes, is because there was no other organization that we could find, um, certainly not here in the city, but we didn't even find any nationally. There's some work happening at a number of nonprofits, but as a small component of their work, was that we were in a sense really defining this new space for a nonprofit to focus exclusively on. So what we did was we really wanted to outline um, what the need was in this space, what all the research what is, um, what, what exists, where there are barriers and opportunities, sort of those positive and negative forces we were talking about earlier, um, and really bring all that research together, as well as lay out some really clear policy recommendations. Because we're big believers, it's really all about action ultimately. Uh, we need very actionable information for organizations to be work working on. So we've really laid out for us, WCC, we're sort of taking a stand on the things that we want to work on. And we've laid out both for government, the private sector, for other CBOs, real opportunities. We can't do it all. We know we can't. We're a small organization. We're going to do a part and we're going to hopefully be a leader in this space. But we really welcome so many more people to the table. We know, again, that notion of having everybody at the table really does mean everybody, and we can be stronger with everybody at the table. What are among those opportunities that you're outlining to help combat systemic racism in New York City and beyond? Yeah, well, we really feel, again, it's, it's making sure that at every turn, with every policy, that, that people who have been left out of civic processes are really helping to think through it. I happen to be a white woman, 
So I don't have all the answers. Believe me, I'm trying to be as good a listener as anything these days. I think that's, or, and sometimes even step aside um, and just really let others rise up. I think it's something that many people haven't really figured out how to do. Um, and I feel like I'm sort of on a journey to also really be a good leader. And a good leader, again, sometimes means stepping aside and just listening. And I think one of the great things that's happening in places like the nonprofit sector, which I've been steeped in for a long time, is really rethinking how we operate. I'll be honest, um, you know, there's been a lot of great feedback. We've been developing this white paper and we've been soliciting a lot of feedback. Um, and even understanding that there's a lot of mistrust of the nonprofit sector was something, you know, I was sort of aware of. And then as I really went into this work, you know, it's another institution and often, probably too often, the leadership is white. Um, the, you know, the CEO, the executive director or CEO is white. The board tends, the board members tend to be white. The people that are being impacted tend to not be white. And I think being very honest and open and having conversations about, gosh, this has to really change. We need leadership. I'm very fortunate. My two predecessors, they've only been two, were both amazing, are both amazing women of color. Um, I now count them among my friends and they're often my first advisors anytime we're doing anything new. But, you know, and we've made some headway with our board and even the organization when it got started was certainly very white. Um, so really thinking about diversity in all of its iterations, age, background, gender, really thinking about, you know, um, and color and everything that makes the conversation more rich, that makes it more representative, that is much more inclusive, that is not tokenizing anyone. Um, and the great thing is, look, we live in New York City, we have such a richness of talent. So just making sure that at every turn, whether it's staff, board, input, advising, that we work really hard to make sure all voices are heard wherever possible on any of our work. And that's something that I think it's necessary and it will be make our work so much more impactful going forward. Carol, thank you so much for your time. Thanks, George. Thanks for having me. Carol Wasey is the president and CEO of Women Creating Change. You can learn more about the group at wccny.org. And that's it for this edition of Community Dialogues. I'm George Bodarkey. Our music is courtesy of bensound.com. Thanks so much for listening.